0: Good afternoon fans and welcome to episode nine and with sports talk with rags as with the music in the background, that means one thing. We're talking Virginia Tech football and basketball. And today we have with us, uh, Virginia Tech's, uh, play by play guy, John Laser and John. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing great, Rags. Thanks for having me. Sure, no problem. And uh, so I'd like to uh, start off the uh, the show here with uh, tell the listeners out there uh, what brought you to uh, to Blacksburg.
1: Uh, you know, interestingly, I was in baseball for 13 years prior to coming to Blacksburg, and it had just been a somewhat long and winding journey through the minor leagues that started out in Minnesota, where I'm from, and wound through Washington State and Pennsylvania and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and Alabama. Anyway, I wound up in Richmond, Virginia, uh, and hooked on at the right time with VCU when Shaka Smart was doing what they did back in 2011, and that just added to exposure. And while I was in that market, it's a huge hokey market in terms of alums and support and all of those things. Managed to make some connections there that I didn't realize would eventually bring me to Blacksburg. But when Bill Roth opted to leave for UCLA back in 2015, I threw my hat in the ring, and it turned out I had enough support to kind of make that jump over to college athletics. And unbelievably, we just wrapped up season six.
0: Yes. And, uh, with bringing up, uh, the summer of, uh, 2015, that, uh, that fall, uh, your first game there was, uh, was Ohio State there, uh, coming to Blacksburg.
1: Yeah, it was. That was an experience like nothing else I had at that point in my career. Probably not a lot of people do because it was a confluence of all the pressure points you could imagine. The defending national champions, a team that Virginia Tech had beaten the season prior, the Labor Day solo platform in terms of a national Television audience on ABC. My first game, working with my crew, uh, jam packed Lane Stadium. There was a Brad Paisley concert the night before. It was just an absolute circus. Uh, not quite the same as the broadcast I did prior to that, which was a Double A game in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, back in July.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, but uh, I also uh, drove up here with uh, with living in the Tidewater area. drove drove out to Blacksburg. Here for that uh, Ohio State Virginia Tech game, and uh, let's see. I think I had to. I think I had to stay in Lynchburg. You know, the uh, the crowd was uh, was packed there for uh, you know, and the and the atmosphere was just uh, crazy. So uh, hey, so you just finished uh, season six, and uh, it was probably one of the um, one of the strangest. Um, seasons here with uh, COVID-19. Can you uh, tell us here with uh, uh, throughout the football season here during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, it was really interesting in terms of the timing for Virginia Tech when the pandemic essentially shut down sports on March 12th, 2020. The Hokies had just lost the night before to North Carolina in the ACC tournament and their season was over. They weren't going to make the NCAA tournament. They weren't going to accept an NIT bid and probably wouldn't have got one. Anyway, so we were shutting it down mode, kind of like we are today, talking to you rags. You know, it's the off season and I'm working with my wife on our wedding calendar of whose cousins are getting married and all those different things. Uh, And then all of a sudden, it just like everybody else and all of society, it just went kaput for a while. And on top of that, I got furloughed. Uh, by my company and I just found myself kind of laying around. You couldn't leave the apartment where we live in downtown Blacksburg. Uh, There wasn't anybody to go see, there wasn't anything open and there certainly weren't any sports. So it was bizarre, but when I came off furlough in July, Uh, we kind of hit the ground running, just not knowing what the scenario was going to be. Were we going to have football? People and hopefully history doesn't forget uh, just the insanity that was late July and early August. Are we going to play? No, absolutely not. Then absolutely yes. Then maybe, then we're not sure. Uh, We're going to do it without fans. We're going to do it with these testing protocols. Uh, It was all just a, a ridiculous proposition. So We just mapped out, and by we, I mean me and my crew, what we were comfortable with in terms of travel and safety and who was willing to work at home, first of all, who was willing to make the road trips. Uh, I'm fortunate to have an outstanding broadcast partner, Mike Burnup, who is kind of fearless, so we decided that we would travel. But the long and the short of it is, I came up with a nine page COVID plan just for broadcasting. So you can imagine what the operations manual is like for the teams that are actually playing. But it had contingencies in terms of spacing people out, what the proper protocol was. If you use a headset and you're going to leave it behind, uh, what you needed to do to sanitize it. Um, You know, how are we going to conduct interviews? in terms of not being able to have access to the student athletes and not being able to be in as close proximity to Justin Fuente as usual. Uh, And then what's it going to sound like when you don't have fans in the stadium and that natural soundboard that, of course, we enjoy here at Lane Stadium? So all that's to say it was just a lot of read and reacting. I think at some point along the way, uh, we just realized, and specifically me, that it was going to be a week-to-week challenge because some things you could do at North Carolina, you couldn't do at Duke, and some things that you could do at Duke, you couldn't do at Miami. And then things on the home front certainly were the same way. And now as we sit here in March, basketball is even worse because you're doing it two and three times a week, um, and a lot of people are even more hesitant with things being indoors. So we're just fortunate. I feel that we got through the season kind of unscathed in terms of our safety, in our health but I also feel like we didn't sacrifice a lot of the quality on air and that's due to all the wonderful people that we work with at Learfield IMG and locally with our crew just to bend over backwards to try to give the fans as close to the same experience on the radio at least that they were used to.
0: Right yes and uh, so when you were talking about uh, being unable to uh, be close to coach Fuente and and the players A lot of the uh, interviews here for football and basketball have been via via Zoom or some type of virtual, right? You know, while you guys do pregame and postgame interviews.
1: Yeah, it's been very interesting. You know, a lot of places didn't allow their broadcasters to even be in the same room as their coaches. Virginia Tech, being a bit more open minded, I think, than some and putting some trust in us, uh, put it on us to say, what do you think is going to be safe and what is going to be risk averse in terms of protecting our coaches and our student athletes so as to not – cause a pause or to cause them to get sick. And, and I think we did a nice job of that. You know, Justin Fuente was comfortable being in the same room with me and Mike. Uh, we limited it to that. We wouldn't have an engineer. Uh, we wouldn't have some of the other normal people that we would have helping produce things. But you're absolutely right, Rags. I mean, this backdrop that you're seeing right here, this wedding picture that's my wife and I, this is my apartment. Hokie Nation is very familiar with this at this point because you know, all the way back at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was on lockdown, we did a at-home series. Dunkin' Donuts was kind enough to sponsor that. And I interviewed about every present and former coach and player we ever had. i just kind of wake up put on a shirt and uh, my boxers and come out here and do about six or seven of them in a row. And they'd bank them and then they'd roll them out on social media. And, uh, you know, fortunately, people were so starved for content that they actually watched them. But, yeah, you know, we've all I didn't know what Zoom was before this thing started. And and now I got my own uh, personal room and I've got the premium package. And, uh, you know, we're doing this on StreamYard, which is awesome. It's essentially the same thing for broadcasters. Um, yeah and and a lot of things i think we'll discover coming out you know why can't you interview the coach on on uh on zoom rather than trucking it over to his office it's very close for me but in bigger cities you know a lot of this stuff uh, i think we've identified and forced ourselves to make technological advances that in other circumstances may have taken a lot longer
0: right yes and uh let's see i started uh My uh, following of uh, Virginia Tech football, because my brother's uh, three years older than me, and he graduated here from Western Branch High School in uh, 91, and one of his high school classmates, uh, Jeff Holland, uh, was a lineman for Virginia Tech there um, from 92 to 95, and I think one of uh, Shane Beamer's uh, assistant coaches there in South Carolina uh, Coach Gray was one of uh, Jeff's uh, Jeff's teammates, but uh, definitely been uh, following uh, Virginia Tech a long time. So uh, before we uh, uh, get um, get into uh, football for for uh, spring practice, uh, so you were uh, talking about uh, here with March March Madness here with uh, basketball. I mean Virginia. Virginia Tech basketball uh the men's program uh, coach young had a had a great year with uh with the team um, uh, finishing in the top four and coach young won one coach of the year and then uh, one of the players got uh second team all ACC and then, and another player got honorable mention and want to talk about the uh, men's program that just wrapped up
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think that that's been not necessarily a surprise, but certainly a pleasant revelation since I've been here. I'm more of honestly a basketball guy. That's what I played in my background. So again, wrapping up my sixth season, that was the fourth trip to the NCAA tournament. The other one last year got canceled and my first year we went to the NIT. So I was uh, along for the ride with Buzz Williams and it was a wild ride because he's a wild guy who I respect a lot and consider a friend now. But you know, we had so many memorable moments, including his last game as the Hokies coach at the Sweet 16. And I bring that up because I remember walking out of the arena in washington dc that night wondering you know who are we going to hire and how soon might we be back on this stage because when you're on the inside i think you recognize just how difficult it is to win in the acc and, and to do it consistently and that gives you an added level of respect for coaches like Leonard Hamilton and of course all the greats that are in this conference and nationally. So Mike Young walks in and it's just, he's a (laughs) hokey. You know, they call him Beamer and Sneakers around here and it's legitimate. That's his personality because he's from about 15 minutes from here. You know, he's got a Southwest Virginia-ism as I call him for every scenario uh, on the floor and off, Um, just an awesome, awesome guy. And that's clearly rubbed off on the guys that were here that he tried to recruit to stay after Buzz Williams left. Your Will Beesabitis, your Tyrese Radford, some of those guys. And also some of the guys that chose to follow him from Radford, from Wofford, excuse me. You mentioned second team All-ACC. That was Keve Aluma, uh, who had to sit out last year but was transfer eligible this year from Wofford, Uh, and then some others that have come in to help this program along with their player development. So anyway, this is a team that was clearly a a tournament team. I felt like all year they had some signature wins over Villanova and Virginia and Duke uh, and a couple of others and, and got into the tournament and I think left disappointed that they didn't make a little more more noise. They left that Florida game kind of sitting on the table there for the taking. And to the Gators' credit, they took it But at the same time, incredible optimism around this program because of who you're bringing in next year to fill some of the remaining holes you have on the roster. And also because this is still a very young team and with the free year, you're going to essentially have everybody that you want back. So, uh, yeah, it was a great year, uh, not without its frustrations. The dual COVID pauses right there and the stretch run of the regular season, I think, crippled this team's potential. But, hey, join the club in terms of programs nationally that can say that, right?
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Buzz, Buzz Williams, uh, certainly, uh, built, built, uh, Hokies, Hokies basketball there to, uh, you know, being, being back on, on being respected and, and coach young has, uh, has certainly done, done a great job on stepping, stepping right in. Um, and, uh, With uh, talking about great coaches here in the ACC, I mean, of course, uh, there down Tobacco Road, you got, you know, Roy Williams and Coach K. That's a a staple there at uh, those two schools. But uh, down at the U, I mean, you you started this conversation saying that uh, you were um, connected to VCU and with Shaka Smart, you know, and there in the 2011, I mean, me being here in the Norfolk area, you got Old Dominion, and uh, the coach at Miami is Jim Laranega That was that was at George Mason in 2011. You know, uh, VCU, George Mason, and and Old Dominion made made the NCAA's, and and VCU had that had that magical run to the Final Four.
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of the things where I feel so fortunate that not only I've lived in the Commonwealth now for 11 years, but I did it seemingly at a time when all those programs were having excellent stretches. People don't realize, I don't think, that aren't from this area or from this state. How big of a rivalry VCU ODU was, man! You go to the Siegel Center. And uh, you go for that rivalry and they're going to blow that roof off every time. And you love the people at ODU, too, because they run their program exactly the right way. And as you mentioned, Jeff, a guy who's had success at higher levels at Virginia doing that. And I just remember some of those battles back then in the early portion of that decade. And ODU won their fair share of them. And, uh, you know, it was a phenomenal conference at the time and, and a phenomenal run that was started by George Mason, honestly. So absolutely to be a part of that, particularly that was a year that Richmond made the Sweet 16, too. I'll always remember really it sparked my involvement with VCU is because the mayor At the time, Dwight Jones of Richmond was torn because they wanted to hold this big citywide pep rally in Richmond down on the river. But they didn't want to use Robbie Robinson from VCU and they didn't want to use Bob Black from Richmond because they didn't want it to skew to one of the schools. (laughs) So they just called me up and said, Well, who else do we know that talks on a microphone in this town? Let's call that baseball guy. Uh, So they called me. And then there I was, you know, 5,000 people hanging out down in city center, down in downtown Richmond, you know, bellowing about VCU and Richmond two schools I hadn't really had any involvement. And uh, next thing I know, I'm doing their television games, and Shaka's still there another couple years. And that gave me the credentials, I guess, I needed for this job. So I really do look back fondly. It's hard for me to believe that just a couple days ago was the 10-year anniversary of that Final Four run for VCU because, honestly, it seems like it was just yesterday.
0: Right. And uh, let's see, you bring up that uh – Virginia Tech basketball with Sweet 16 there with uh, Buzz's last game uh, leaving Washington D.C. There in 2011, I I sat in um, the Washington D.C. watching uh, Old Dominion and Butler in the first round matchup, and uh, Butler Butler wins at the buzzer, and then and then Butler goes on to uh, goes on to the Final Four to meet up VCU. So, uh, you know, definitely a lot of, uh, Virginia, Virginia basketball there, there Washington DC. Um, so what about, uh, so again, now that basketball is over, um, let's see. So football, um, you know, spring practice is, is going on. So, uh, you know, um, is with, um, 2021. Any any talks about a a spring game this year, or is it just uh, practice? Or
1: yeah, they actually announced yesterday that unfortunately there won't be a spring game for the second consecutive year, at least not in the traditional sense where you have all the tailgating and you have folks in Lane Stadium, so that was a bit disappointing. But at the same time, I think the football staff, including Justin Fuente, is very grateful that they can practice at all. And otherwise, spring football is pretty much going on, as you would expect. They'll have 15 practices over five weeks, I think yesterday, and I shouldn't say I think. I know yesterday was practice four. And to this point, they feel like they've gotten a lot of good work in. They'll get on the field for the first scrimmage on Saturday, which the guys, of course, always look greatly forward to. And we do, too, because it's our first barometer as to how some of them have developed and our first look at some of the really young guys coming in for the first time. And for this tech program, it's vitally important because they didn't have spring last year transitioning off the Hall of Famer, soon to be Bud Foster to Justin Hamilton. He really never had a chance to institute his defense um, and see where pieces fit and all those things. So uh, I know they're tremendously excited to get back on the field. The good thing about having already gone through the COVID season and football terms is that you've followed the protocols. You know how they go. They're relaxed a little bit. So even though you still have many in place uh, and it's not 100% normal, it feels a lot, lot closer than it did even when you were fighting with Virginia back in December. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, and looking at uh, this fall's uh, schedule, I mean uh, week one, not only is it a ACC conference but uh the heels the heels come to town here for uh a labor day weekend matchup and that will that will certainly uh not not quite with the uh ohio state excitement there in the fall of 2015 but definitely definitely some excitement to kick off 2021 with uh not only uh ACC matchup, but Mac Brown and the Tar Heels coming to Lane Stadium.
1: Yeah, I won't have the national spotlight that Ohio State game did, but you're absolutely right, Rags. It is a critical game for this Virginia Tech program because North Carolina, when Mac came in, kind of surpassed Virginia Tech in a lot of ways recruiting. And Justin Fuente had been having a lot of success in North Carolina, bringing folks to Virginia, uh, despite the fact that hadn't had as much success in Virginia. So you know, UVA is Virginia Tech's biggest natural rival, but right now I like to say North Carolina is Virginia Tech's biggest competitive rival in terms of who may take control of the coastal division for the next few years. Miami is going to have a say in that, and Bronco's doing a great job at UVA as well, and Jeff Collins getting things rolling at Georgia Tech. But right now, Uh, The long and short of it is whoever wins that game is going to be set up to have a phenomenal season. Meanwhile, whoever loses that game, the opener, particularly if it's the Hokies that don't prevail at home, you'll have dropped a home contest to your biggest threat in the Coastal Division, and it's going to be a big hole to dig out of. And for Justin Fuente and what's going to be a season in which he might be evaluated in terms of his future Here at Virginia Tech, that game is going to be absolutely massive right out of the gate. And if you're a competitor like all those guys are, you love that. If you're a broadcaster like me, you're pretty nervous about that. Uh, And I know the guys are going to be sick of seeing the Carolina blue because I've been over the new weight room a number of times. And they're playing every North Carolina touchdown from last year when they put up 56 on a depleted Hokies roster every touchdown on a loop just all day over and over and over again. And it's only March 24th as we're sitting here talking. So that game is about five and a half months away.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, and also with, uh, the coastal division, I mean, I mean, last, last football season here in the fall during the pandemic, you had, uh, Notre Dame join, join the ACC and, uh, you know, for uh, for football, and you had uh, you had, you had one one whole conference there of football. Now, now this year they're going to go back to the two two divisions, and Notre Dame being back somewhat of an independent and playing the five or six ACC games. Right? Is that is that how the
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right, Uh, where you go back to that eight-game conference schedule, and you will go back to the divisions, so the Hokies will go back into the Coastal, and you mentioned Notre Dame, and they are on Virginia Tech's schedule again this year for the third time in the last five years, and they'll be making their second visit, excuse me, fourth time, they'll be making their second visit here to Lane Stadium, that'll be another big one, it's week five, for Virginia tech, but yeah, you get back to a sense of normalcy, hopefully uh, in terms of trying to win that coastal division and then taking your best swing at Clemson, who will be a, again, an overwhelming favorite on the Atlantic side.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, the football team starts off with the heels and then a couple of uh, non-conference games, including uh, a game at West Virginia and then to start off, Notre Dame to start off October, they host Notre Dame, and then and then from that get full swing into the um, into the conference schedule. Um, let's see. So as we um, as we wrap up here, the uh, the Lady Hokies uh, they um, they made it to the second round of the tournament. Lost a lost a tough one there with uh, with Baylor. Baylor last night. Um, any any comments there on the uh, Lady Hokies uh, program?
1: Yeah, I've been saying this all throughout the course of this season. I think first things first, you have to remark at what Kenny Brooks has been able to do in terms of elevating this program. It's recruiting and the talent level that you now see in the program to the point where they should have broken the drought last year which stretched back to 2006 in terms of making the NCAA tournament. They were firmly an NCAA tournament when COVID halted that tournament as well. Uh, so they had to regroup a bit. They had a couple transfers but came back even stronger this year, made the tournament. And again, I think that speaks volumes just like it did when Buzz Williams took a men's program that hadn't been since 2007 to three consecutive tournaments. It's one thing to have a transformational player and make the tournament because of them. It's another thing to really raise the recruiting arc and the talent level in the program. And I think undeniably, Kenny Brooks has done that. But what we also saw in the second round last night against Baylor is that I feel like outside of football, there's no other sport in college athletics where the tears are so dramatic Uh, than women's basketball and by that I mean we talk about it with football it's the same four programs every year right or four out of the same six every year that make the playoff and we all know who they are women's basketball is the same way you know UConn 27th consecutive Sweet 16 that's just absurd that doesn't speak to a whole lot of parity Stanford's had a similar run of success Notre Dame before Muffet McGraw retired and it won't take them long to get back South Carolina and Baylor to their credit I think this is their 11th consecutive Sweet 16 is in that conversation as well and you see why because it's a very talented Virginia Tech team but that talent level may be up a notch or two still at Baylor so I think this season illustrated both how far this program has come uh, and how far still they aspire to go to get into that final four national championship conversation
0: yes and uh, coach Brooks uh, certainly did a good job uh, there uh, a couple hours uh, up uh, 81 to Harrisonburg uh, there at JMU, and as he uh, as he came down came down south here to uh, to lead lead the Hokie program uh, certainly certainly has done a good job uh, let's see so so last thing here I'd like to uh, like to talk about here with hope uh, oh, Hokie baseball uh, with uh, with no uh, spring spring football game. Uh, do you uh, do you do any uh, hokey baseball?
1: Yeah, I actually do. I do it for the ACC network rather than the radio side, which is a lot of fun for me just to get TV work and, and do it with our local crew on ACC Network Extra. A lot as well. I'm somewhat precluded from baseball while basketball's still going, especially this year, just because of the travel complications and the uncertainty of the schedule. But yeah, I'm eager. I've got the series next week for the Hokies, their next ACC home series at the end of this month, and couldn't be more excited about that. And uh, the rest of the way, yeah, I'll have the call of the majority. Of Virginia Tech's games. Speaking of programs that are trying to raise their level of recruiting and talent, you can see that that is ongoing and a work in progress, but certainly have taken some strides there too.
0: Yes, and uh, Coach uh, Chef, that uh, came from uh, came from Maryland. While he was while he was at Maryland, uh, current Tampa Bay Rays uh, middle infielder uh, Brandon Lau played for uh, Coach Chef. There of Maryland, and uh, let's see the the baseball team is uh, certainly certainly off to a good good start here. Um, you know, uh, six and six there in the there in the ACC, and uh, certainly um, baseball there in the ACC is certainly certainly a tough one there with uh, UVA and Florida State and uh, and and Miami. You know the. To, to, a couple uh, of strong programs.
1: Yeah. And not to forget Louisville and North Carolina who are also perennially up there. It's a ridiculously difficult conference. I don't think there's any argument that the sec like it is in football is probably the premier baseball conference, but the ACC is right there uh, in terms of power five leagues as a firm number two. So when you talk about coach chef and the challenge he had when he took over this program, I mentioned this is my sixth baseball season here And only two teams don't make the ACC baseball tournament. The Hokies have not made it since I've been here, meaning they've missed it five consecutive years. It's almost difficult to do when you think about it. So six and six doesn't sound like a lot, For Virginia Tech at this point, but it includes their first-ever series win over Miami. They won their first two series. They've backtracked a bit over the last couple of ACC weekends, trying to find some more consistent bullpen arms. But hey, they've got that baseball sledgehammer, and that captivated the nation for a little bit. And that's what you're looking to do when you're looking to recruit arms. So yeah, the future's bright for baseball here. It's been awesome to see the students respond and come out. Uh, They don't always say the things we want them to say, uh, but their enthusiasm level never wanes. And when the weather's nice here in Blacksburg, as Whit Babcock has always said, this can be a baseball town.
0: Right. And with uh, with an outdoor sport and events, are they are they limiting limiting the home, the home crowd or um, rules there for uh, Hokie baseball?
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be limited to 1,000 people. It's such a unique environment because it has the grassy berm all the way along the left field line. So I think sometimes it's hard to keep track uh, who came through the gate and who climbed over the fence. Uh, the environment's been pretty great. And then there's a lot of different ways to watch without coming in. We've got a rowdy group of students. I'm not sure their nickname for their group that are out in center field. Doesn't seem to be drinking water out there. Uh, and I think at times the, the bouncers to the English field here uh, may have dropped the clicker and miscounted a few people. But notwithstanding, <laughs> uh, a lot of them you can tell just chomping at the bit to see live sports and really baseball and softball has been their first opportunity.
0: Yes, and uh, let's see. And with the uh, students there, there in the outfield, uh, be, behind the uh, center field fence, I know that uh, a few years back, I was uh, working in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, College of Charleston had a had a group of students that would be uh, be behind the uh, right field fence, you know, and uh, get on the uh, get on the road road teams uh outfield you know part of uh part of the college experience <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think lsu might have the uh, biggest pack of rowdies that are outside the wall but we're
0: doing our yeah. best to ride right <laughs> right so but uh hey john i i see that we're already um went over a few minutes i already been talking uh 30 minutes so i i certainly uh appreciate your time uh, any any uh, final thoughts here
1: no, just appreciate you having me, Rags, and it's awesome to see you get the podcast going. Best of luck with that going forward. All
0: right. Well, thanks. Well, all right, uh, Hokie fans and all the listeners out there, that was uh, John John Laser that uh, that joined us today and uh, he to uh, promote the uh, Hokie baseball uh, next uh, home series. You can uh, you can catch him doing some. Uh, Home uh, home baseball games through the uh, ACC network, but uh, most uh, most importantly, he's the uh, play-by-play uh, voice for Hokie football and Hokey men's basketball. So thank you for uh, joining us today, John, and we'll uh, we'll uh, sign off here.
1: Thanks, Greg. All
0: right, thanks.